This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 393. And the quote of the day is from Tim Ferriss, who said, It isn't enough to think outside the box. Thinking is passive. Get used to acting outside the box. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming. And beyond, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, and this is episode 393 of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. I hope all is well in your world, and I hope you're rocking and rolling. And man, we're almost, I can't believe we're almost in June. That's amazing. I feel like it was just, uh, I feel like it was just Christmas, and now it's now it's almost June. We're halfway through the year almost, so hopefully it's going well for you so far, and uh Think about if it's not, and if it's not, maybe you can take Tim Ferriss's advice and start acting outside of the box instead of just thinking and plotting and planning and saying what you're going to do and start actually doing those things. Hey, speaking of doing stuff, if you're looking to do something on June 10th, you can go to the, they're calling it the Dream Hang. It's a symbol and beverage tasting event featuring a performance and hang with Scott Pellegrom. It's at Third Coast Recording Company in Grand Haven, Michigan. And that's June 10th from 6 to 8 p.m. And this isn't a clinic. This is a way for you to go hang out with Scott Pellegrom. There'll be dream symbols there. You can drink some beer or drink some coffee or whatever you would like to drink. And it's just a hang. And Scott's going to play. And, you know, again, There'll be, there'll be symbols and drinks and all that kind of stuff, but it's just a way for you to hang out, chill. And again, it's not a clinic. They're calling it the dream hang. It's a symbol and beverage tasting event featuring a performance and hang with Scott Pellegrom June 10th from 6 to 8 PM at third coast recording company in Grand Haven, Michigan. Check it out. All right. So now that that is out of the way, I want to get into this conversation. And this is with Jeremy Hummel. Jeremy is the original drummer from the band Breaking Benjamin. And I had Jeremy on the podcast before. We talked about his career. We talk about all that stuff. So you can go back and check out that episode if you'd like. That's episode 125, and you can check that out. And the reason why I had him back, first of all, I I love the dude. He's a great guy, great drummer, always has a ton of information to share. But we get pretty specific about some stuff. We talk about how he has managed to grow a teaching career, how he manages a band, how he sort of thought outside of the box to get new students in, how he does group drum lessons, things like that. This is a really great conversation for some tactical advice, some takeaways of how you can run your drumming career, run your drumming business, whether it be you're trying to get new students, whether you're starting a band and you want to know how to manage a band and hire people and get gigs and all that sort of stuff. And Jeremy has done it all. He's been doing it for a really long time. He's been a band leader for, I think, a decade now. We talk about it in the conversation. And he, again, he just has some great tactical information to help you out. So I hope you get a ton of great, useful information out of this. And I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with my man, Jeremy Hummel. Jeremy, what's happening, my man? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Nick. Of course, we're glad to be here. After our uh, some of our technical errors again and such, we're we're here, ready to roll. Well, I completely forgot that we were supposed to talk the one time, and then the second time, your headset didn't work. So, like you know, there are times the charm. That's yes, why. sir, it works. Uh, which I felt horrible about, so I'd like to publicly apologize for that because that like never happens, and I think that 
we had some communication error, but it was my fault. I take 100% credit for that. So I apologize publicly. Um, so you, you've already been on the podcast. So we, we got a lot about, <clears throat> we already talked a lot about your backstory. Um, you know, you, you started Breaking Benjamin, you were in that band, sold, you know, some million records, a couple million records and have since, um, now you are in a different sort of phase in your career, a different part in your life where you are leading a band, you are, uh, you're teaching lessons, you're doing all this stuff. And you and I thought that it would be a great idea to get together and talk about the practical aspects of being a musician who, whether or not you do this as your full-time gig, but if you do this and you generate some sort of revenue doing this, then you have to eat, you have to treat it like a small business. And without getting too heavy into like, you know, business speak. I think a lot of the stuff that you and I have talked about numerous times are important. And I think this is going to be a great conversation, not only about some of the things about how you can run that business and how you can structure your day and, and how you can make it, you know, the most beneficial, um, but also, but also different ways and different ideas that you may have of how you can grow your teaching practice or how you can, you know, get more bang for your buck out of the the students that you have or, you know, increase your, um, you know, increase your revenue uh, with the, with the current students and things like that. So, um, so I think that's, you know, I think all of this is, is important stuff to talk about. Cool. So <clears throat> where shall we start? Um, I think for, for me, I'm always, I, I always talk about the business side of things on the podcast, but I'm always hesitant to get too heavy into it because I think that I think that people just turn off, right? As soon like you start talking about like marketing or branding or like all the people are like, whoa, 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 I'm a I'm a drummer, I'm a musician. I, that I, that stuff is for someone else, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. But if you if you want to make some money doing this, like I said, whether it's your full time job or you do it as a hobby and you make some money on the side, like it's still it's still business and we you have i think that there should just be at least some elements that you that you understand what are some of the things that you see where where you see that musicians are sort of falling short on that um without you know saying okay everyone needs to go get a master's degree in music i'm not or in business i'm not saying that but where do you see where where people are falling short well i think one thing is is whether you want to be a a teacher or whether you want to be a musician or be a professional or you know weekend wear or whatever i think it's important to really target what it is that you want to do mm-hmm. i think sometimes if people have never been in a band before for example they might say well i really want to be in a band which which is awesome but at the same time you, if you identify early on, if you have an indication of what that might be, I think that that can really, really help you because not only will that allow you to do what you want to do, but it will also make you happier because you, if you're a guy out there who's just looking to get into some gigs and everything, you might start off and you might say, I really want to be in a band. But once you get into that band situation, you might find out early on this band isn't really doing the music that I would like to be doing, or, you know, I didn't realize there was going to be these types of dynamics within the band because this guy has, you know, his, his wife wants him to be home more often or whatever. And you're thinking, whoa, 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 I just got into this situation and I already have these different things I have to contend with. So I think it's good to identify what you want to have happen first Mm -hmm. of all. And then if you're a teacher, if you're in that revenue, then 
you know, I hear a lot of teachers I talk to sometimes say, man, I just really want to get more students. I'd love to know how to get more students. And, you know, one thing that we talk about a lot is we say, well, what are you really good at? Like, who do you want to teach? Mm -hmm. Because that is where you want to put yourself because there's some people, for example, who don't really work that well with kids. You know, so if you don't work well with kids, you don't want to put an ad in somewhere that says, you know, all levels, beginner to advanced, because you don't want to teach beginner students. You right. know, you have a certain target market. Um, the same thing is there are guys who want to teach, but where their focus really might be is teaching, you know, prog rock. They love Rush. They love Tool. They love things like that. So if that's what you really thrive on, if that's where your passion is, because trust me, the passion comes through in your teaching, whatever mm -hmm. you're working with, then you go and do some clinics and you say, um, you know, hey, this, you advertise yourself, I'm going to be playing some rush tracks and this is the type of teacher that I am. And then when people are there, you market yourself to be just that. So I think mm -hmm. for any, for anybody out there, what you're looking to get involved with, it's important to identify what it is that thing that you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, we talked before about how I started those group classes up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I decided that I wanted the group classes to be from grades five through 12. And, you know, for anybody that, that's not aware, um, for about two years now, I've been doing these group classes called the RPM class. And um, I targeted grades five through 12 because I wanted to work with people who were old enough to comprehend what we were trying to do. Right. And their, their attention span was long enough. But yet, you know, I didn't want to have people who were coming in that might be elementary school level because I didn't want it to be like a glorified babysitting situation. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, and, and frankly, a lot of times you get into those situations where you're teaching and it turns out that, oh, the it's basically the parents dropping the kid off for an hour while you babysit and they're fooling around or they don't care or they haven't practiced or they're not really into it. And then they come back an hour later and pick up their kid because, and, you know, they just went to Starbucks and went grocery shopping and all that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What does, what does RPM stand for? RPM. Okay. So RPM stands for, the R is for reading and rudiments, mm -hmm. that the P stands for precision, and the M stands for maintenance. And um, just a quick funny story about that. So I, when I was trying to put this whole thing together, I knew, I had this going around in my mind for a really long time that I wanted to do this, but it was like, I knew I had to try to pull it all together. And so one day... I was out for a walk and I started thinking, all right, man, come on, like we, we want to get this going. I knew I needed to call it something somewhat catchy because the last thing I wanted was I didn't want Jeremy Hummel's group drum lessons because that to me was just kind of cheesy. Right. You know? Right. So I, I wanted something kind of cool. And so I started thinking, okay, what, what are we going to be doing? Okay. This is no drum set, by the way. So I want to clarify these group classes right now. It's all handwork, technique, that whole thing. So I thought, what are we working on? working on reading and rudiments. So, you know, I have that there and I started thinking about some clever little things and all of a sudden I thought, okay, instead of trying to create something, what are maybe some existing things I can put some words into? Because mm -hmm. sometimes that works too. RPM came up and I thought that'd be awesome because, um, you know, reading and rudiments goes into the R, precision, maintenance, it says it all. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, within within a short period of time, I came up with it and you know, I got this stuff to my graphic arts guy and it was really up and running within a short period of time. And, and if I could, I just want to touch on a little bit of something for people who are out there listening that, you know, 
most of the people that listen to your show, I think, are people who are pretty driven people that have ideas. They're creative people, things like mm-hmm. that. And the one thing that I've really learned is that if there's something you want to do, you don't have to hit a home run your first time out. Right. And I think some, I think sometimes <clears throat> we have ideas and we want it to be completely perfect, 100% before we ever put it out to the masses or before right. we ever get it out there. And, you know, the reality is, is that we don't, you know, because within that first year of doing whatever that is, guaranteed, there's going to be like 10 to maybe 20% of what you're doing that you're going to change anyway. Sure. You're just going to, you're going to learn through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I had the the idea for this class for a long time. And, you know, then I finally just said, okay, let's just take some action, put it together. And as soon as I came up with that, like I said, I got to the graphic arts guy, put together a cool little logo for it and everything. And then I started went into the schools and promoting it. And here we are. So, so there's a, there's a, a couple things that I want to touch on. Uh, one is the idea that, yeah, when you start something, it's not going to be this home run. Like, does that happen? Sure. Once in a great while, you just do something and it clicks and you're like, and the next thing I knew, it's like, but 99.9% <laughs> of the time that doesn't happen. <clears throat> and I always use the example of the podcast, like go back and listen to episode one. It's horrible. Okay. It's horrible. Like I'm, I'm sure su- it's not that bad, but <laughs> dude, it's bad. And I'm okay. like, I'm surprised that people even made it to episode. I put three episodes out in the beginning. I'm surprised people made it to episode two and three. <laughs> I, it was bad. So, but as I went, I tweaked it. I learned. I found my voice. All those things. And I'm sure the same thing for you. You know, you go out and you start this RPM course and. I'm sure that you weren't walking into every class, every school and they're like, this is amazing. Oh my God, we're going to give you, it's like, it's a grind. You put one foot in front of the other day in and day out. And the, you know, the idea of, of a little making a little bit of progress every single day, I would much rather have, I would, I'd much rather be at 80%, 365 days of the year than be at 100% for three days and then 50% for a week and then 100% for two days and and this and this roller coaster um, of going up and down. So I agree. And just to piggyback on that, on your point is to say that, you know, just you have to start, you have to put your thing out, you have to start your website, you have to start calling people for your band, you have to get one, you have to get the first student, you know what I mean? Everyone's like, Oh, I need 30 students. It's like, no, you need one. Right. If you have no gigs, you need one gig. If you have no students, you need one student, not 30 or 40. And I think we get caught up in a, in a lot of that. And I also said that, that perfection, um, perfection is the new procrastination. Mm. And it's like, oh man, I gotta, you know, this thing's gotta be perfect or the other, you know, this other thing's gotta be perfect. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on was you talking about being, teaching specific things and <clears throat> I, two things I, that I thought were, were uh, very important to point out. One is if you're a heavy metal rock, you know, blast beat guy, you shouldn't be teaching jazz if you don't like it. Right. I think that you have to, you have to enjoy what you have to enjoy what you're doing. You have to enjoy teaching. I think a lot of people get into teaching for the wrong reasons. They do it because they can make some money doing it instead of actually enjoying it. But the other thing is about niching down. If you're the guy, like if you are the blast beat guy or you are the funk guy, you know what I mean? Like when you think of taking lessons from someone and you want to learn New Orleans funk, 
Like, who would you go to? I would go to Stan Moore. I would it's go to Johnny Vodakovich. It's yeah. exactly what, yeah. like, that's the first person that came to my head was like Stanton Moore. Stanton's not like, hey, come like learn how to play rock and play this. But he's like, I'm a New Orleans funk dude. You want to learn it and you want to learn it correctly? Come to me. And everyone knows Stanton is the guy. So if you become that guy, you become the blast beat guy or you become the jazz guy or you become the rock guy. And for people are like, man, I want, I want to learn like, you know, I need my technique like completely stripped down and like I really need to figure out how this functions properly and all that stuff. I'm like, go to Daniel Glass. You know, like that's his thing. That is his thing. Like he has, you know, his his particular thing. So I think niching down is long term. I think it's such a powerful play. If you're if you're if if you are if you're leaning towards one thing or the other, there's also general teacher. I mean, I'm guessing that you, you know, you teach everything because you enjoy everything. I do. I mean, I, I am a general teacher. And the other thing too, for me is, is like, I, I enjoy teaching all ages, but I do enjoy teaching younger people too, because like with my lessons, I, I really try. And I tell parents when they first call me up too, or they reach out to me through emails that, you know, I try to tell them, Hey, like for me, you know, these lessons aren't necessarily about just drum lessons. Like mm-hmm. what I'm trying to, if I'm trying to do, if, if they, if they're receptive to it is just to over time, you know, have a positive influence on their lives, give them a good place to come to. Um, especially if there's stuff going on in their lives, you know, I mean, where it's, I, I really enjoy forming that connection. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm teaching pretty much everything. And I, I was thinking about something, um, as well, when you talked about the perfect, when you made the perfection analogy, you know, Mm -hmm. is the new procrastination. So I, I really think that one reason why we think things have to be perfect and why we get so hesitant to put things out there is because of the, the comparison factor, because these days there's so, you know, there's so much out there with obviously, you know, like the YouTube, but everybody's doing videos. But it's fabricated. A lot of it is fat. It's fake. It's not real. That's my biggest <laughs> thing. It's like, it's not real. It's everyone's highlight reel. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. I, dude, I remember, I remember years ago where I went to the modern drummer festival and, um, Horacio Hernandez was performing. Was it Horacio? Um, I think it was Horacio who said this, but so he's up there performing and, oh no, I know what it was. It was John Riley and Horacio was performing, but John Riley did a clinic who he was like over in a different room, mm-hmm. like they were in a smaller room. So he came in there and he said, I, I just witnessed somebody outside in the hallway. There was a dad with his kid and the kid was crying because like he was a drummer and he was just, he was just so defeated because he thought I'm never going to get to that, to that level. Mm-hmm. And you know what the point of telling the story was is they were trying to say look when you come to an event like this what you're getting is the completed product you're getting this with all the practice all the shine all the gloss that's already there we're not seeing all of the hours and the work that goes into this right. whole thing and that also goes back to like i think it was um Ed Sof said on your podcast one time to to paraphrase he said something to the effect of you know learning a musical instrument is is a, is an analog process in a digital world yeah. or something like that where yeah, yeah. you know I mean it's an analog thing and we and and people think that by watching these videos this is what I should be able to do today because I see a person who looks just like me or who's the same age as me mm-hmm. and they're doing it why should I not be doing this yeah. but you know we're probably starting to get off 
topic a little bit, but but I agree with you that the the perfectionism thing comes so much to comparison. And and even if there's an idea that anybody has, you know, it's good to look to see what some of your mentors or people you respect or how they're doing it, but don't not do something because you're saying, I can't do this because it's not as good as this guy's. Right. You know? Right. So, right. And not yeah. only that, I mean, doing all of these interviews that I've done, the theme is the same, that everyone says the same thing, that they just work their ass off. That's it. Like Carter McLean, we were talking about, I remember this specifically, that he said he gets emails all the time. How did you get your singles so fast? How did you do this? How did, he's like, I've been doing it for 30 years. <laughs> you know, he's like, you're you're 16. You yeah. know, I've been yeah. doing it twice as long, or, you know, twice as long as you've been born. So that's why I can do this. And, you know, what's the saying? You get You get praised in public for what you do in private. Mm-hmm. For the work mm-hmm. that you put in in private. And we agreed. We're seeing that final product. And you have to understand that whether – even if it's someone who may you know look younger or or you know you look at them and you're like, man, I'm 20. This guy's 20. This guy's killing. It's like, well, he may just be showing the lick that he just spent you know 12 hours working on. Mm-hmm. And you're just seeing that. You know, Put him in a band setting. Put him on the stage. Not that I'm saying that this person pro- couldn't could or couldn't do that. But – the comparing yourself to others, there's always going to be someone better than you. There's always going to be someone who's working harder than you. There's always going to be someone who has more natural talent. You know, there's always going to be someone who got into the game earlier than you. And all you got to do is just be better than you were yesterday. And that's it. That's your only competition. That's it. One, one of my, you know, kind of just personal little, little mantras is just put the ball in play. That's it. You know, if there's a, if you have an idea of something that you want to do, just, of course, when you put it out there, you know, don't get me wrong, you want it to be together and solid and, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you but don't you want to half-ass it. Right, exactly. But, you know, you put the ball in play and, and man, I can't tell you when when I would go into to schools and I go in to promote this thing, you know, I had known from some years ago just going into schools that, you know, you're going to be doing a presentation and, you know, it's you've got a lot of kids and you know but what you happen to notice is you notice those kids who like could not be more interested in, in what you're doing <laughs> right. you know what i'm saying and but but what i just started saying to myself was okay i'm going to go in there i'm going to just try to express my passion for what i'm trying to to offer and my goal is 10 to 20% of who i'm presenting for i'm mm-hmm. like, so if i go into a 6th grade classroom and there are you know 10 percussionists if I get one or two of them to show to sign up for my class, I feel like that's a success. Yeah, you know, and then yeah, you yeah. just you just kind of keep keep building from there and and you know move forward. Yeah, so. one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes six. You know, it's, after a while, you're like, oh, I have thirty students. So talk to me about how because I think this is really important because I talk to a lot of people who are trying to build their teaching practice and and trying to get more students. What is the approach when you when you're going to the schools and you're saying, hey, you know, I have this thing and I'd like to present it. Uh, And then also, if someone doesn't do exactly what you're doing with the group classes, what is your suggestion for how you can gain individual students private lessons? Okay, well, the just the first answer, the first part of the question. So on my website, under the lessons link, Mm -hmm. if you go, if if anybody is interested in lessons, um, they can go on there and they and I have like a little comparison chart. So it shows what I offer, what you get with the group class, and then what you get with the um, the private class, private lessons, mm-hmm. and the the difference of the cost and everything. 
But when I go in to give my presentation, what I'm ultimately doing is I'm kind of giving them a taste of what we're going to be doing in the class. So I take in a couple handouts. Um, I, I take in a registration form. Mm-hmm. So we do some of the things that we would do in the class with that group. And do you mind I if I them- stop you for one second? Go Sorry. Ahead. How do yeah. you get into the school in the first place? Oh, great question. Okay, so I right here in my town, I already kind of have an in because I'm the drumline instructor at the high school. So I can just email all the music teachers at the different schools. But then outside of my school district, I just reach out. I get the emails for the other band directors in the other regions. And then I approach them through email and say, you know, send them an email. Hi, my name is Jeremy Hummel. Um, Give them a little bit of my background. Not too long because you don't, you know, people don't have all day. And then just ask him if there's a time I can come in and give a presentation to the class. I mean, I have yet to have somebody say no. You know what I mean? Really? So, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because sometimes they, the the beautiful thing about it is, is the band directors number one they want help because most band directors aren't drummers, right? You know, right, right. so they they is need a, somebody to help them. Is it a presentation of saying, like, is it a sales presentation or are they getting something out? Of, like when you're done that presentation, do they get? Right. Is there something that they're actually taking away from it? Yeah, I mean, so what I do is, I would say, if I had to break it down, I would say that probably 80% of it is a sales presentation, mm-hmm. 20% of it is something they could take home with them. So what okay. we might do is, I might say say to them, you know, we, we really need to establish, you know, how we can play double, double stroke roles. So whether you're in marching band, whether you're in concert band, whatever, and I teach them a little bit more about rebound and how the stick, you know, letting the stick do the work. And, you know, because most younger kids or holding the stick only with like the thumb and the first finger, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, so we do talk about some tangible things that they could take home with them. But my main thing is, is to go in there, give them a pitch to say, you know, if you'd like to come and work on your, your hands, your reading, your technique to get better, because most of them are doing marching band as well. Right. This is, this is the place to come, cool. you know? So, and I've gotten some people from the different school districts and m- my whole intention was, this is sort of a long-term plan. This wasn't the idea that, Hey, within three months, I need to be teaching five of these classes on a Saturday. You know, right. the idea is I, I have a small goal, but at the same time, I know that over time, the intention is if you build it, you know, they will come. Mm-hmm. So through through time though. So I want to get this I want to go back and get the specifics about the presentation. I have uh two questions though and I'm I'll probably keep interrupting you because no, there's that's questions that are popping up in my head that I'm sure the listeners are thinking. So are these classes that you're teaching are one are they designed to transition these people from group students to uh private lessons? If they want it to be. Okay. I currently ha- I currently have a couple students who take both the group classes and do private instruction because remember the group classes there's not drum set involved so they right, might right they they might take the the hands workshop with me but then they want to be better at the drum set so they take the drum set class as well okay. okay not the drum set class I'm sorry but the private lesson yeah, right? yeah I got you mm-hmm. and and then um there are also people who you know want to work on the, their hands but they just don't have the money. You know, they don't Mm -hmm. have the money to come and spend for a private lesson. So not only is it helpful for me because I get to reach more people in one shot, but at the same time, it allows somebody to come and take a drum lesson, a really thorough drum lesson without having to break their family's budget. Right. And so the, the thing to point out about that too is 
if you get, even if, I don't know how much you charge for the, for the group lesson, but, and if you want to share that, that's fine. If you're okay with that. Oh uh, yeah, sure. So, well, so how much is it for? So for the, for the group lesson, it's between, it depends on how it shakes up. It's usually between 15 and $18 for a full hour. That's amazing. So if you have 10 people, that's $180 that you make for an hour. And I'm guessing you don't charge $180 for a one hour lesson. For one hour lesson, I charge sixty dollars. Right. So, like for for where I live, that's that's like a good a good price for that's like the top echelon, pretty much. So, so it's yeah. great for them. For you, you can make more dollars. You know, you can make more dollars for your time, uh, yep. which I think is smart. I think it's a really smart idea. The other thing is, if you um, if I say I came to one of the group classes on Saturday and the next one, do I have to come to the first one to understand what's going on in the second one, are they sort of consecutive or they, are they serial or no? Uh, there's some things that we do. Like we have a couple of warm ups that we usually do that, you know, the kids get used to. So like those are always happening in every class. And then there's always something new that's introduced as well. But no, there's, there's kids that I have where like one of the stipulations for the class, Nick, is that when you sign up, like right now we're starting another one tomorrow actually we're starting another round mm -hmm. so this current this current run will be 8 weeks long but you pay the tuition for that period of time but i but if you can't come to the class there's there's not a refund you know okay. like you can't yeah because there's like one kid i have who really wants to be in the class but he runs track and we're in track and field season right now. So, but his parents are cool enough to say, Hey, Evan's going to miss three or four of these classes, but he we'll still pay wants anyway. to do it. So yeah. Yeah. So um, where do you teach but, them here at my home studio? Oh, you do? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I, I teach them here. I started out when I first started out, I, I do my, my home studio here where I do my private lessons. And initially I thought, let me do them someplace else just because that way, because I do them Saturdays mm -hmm. and I thought that way, if it's mid Saturday morning, I don't have, you know, 10 kids at a time, time coming, <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know, like my family's here and stuff like that. And so, um, but I started them out at this one music store that's here in town. And ironically, um, the, the guy who owned this, the music store ended up getting, you know, arrested for like doing some false identity type of thing and everything. What? So yeah, dude. So, um, so his so like, maybe I better find a new spot. <laughs> yeah. And it was really awkward too, because I remember, um, I had all my stuff there. Like I had all my practice pads and whatnot. Cause I would just roll in Saturday morning and start the classes. I said to my wife, I said, you know, I'm not really sure how to go about this. I said, I want to go in and get my stuff, but I don't want it to go in and be weird or anything like that. And fortunately, she's like, well, they're the ones that should feel weird, not you. So yeah. one day I just walked in, they had a customer at the front desk and I kind of like went down around and went down to the, to the studio where it was. I got, dude, I grabbed like, you know, 10 practice pads all up like that people can't <laughs> see, but like in my arms and like sticks and everything. And I just kind of went back out the front door and that was it. You're like, and nothing to see here. Yeah. And, and it works here. I mean, it, and the other good thing is I don't like there, they were only charging me a very small amount for rent, but still I was having to pay sure. somebody else for the time. Now I don't have to do that. And the money just all goes here. That's great. So, so yeah. back to the back to the presentation. Could can you yep. talk about sort of some of the specifics? I I like this idea of of the tactical stuff of of someone who can do this in their town, and and we can sort of connect the dots for them. Yep, yeah, sure. So, um, the things you talking about the things that we do work in the class, or when no, I no, when you go in and do the presentation in the school. Oh yeah. So like like I said before, we we go in, or I go in and um talk to them about you know, rebound and things like that. And then we just, we also just talk about, um, 
you know, how to hold the sticks properly. We talk about um, how to also work on playing together as well, because when they when they play in ensembles, whether it's concert band or marching band, there's a lot of times when the kids are just kind of focused on their own thing and they don't really think about how they're playing dynamically mm-hmm. with other students. You know what I mean? So we talk about some dynamic oriented things. Um, and then just ultimately, the last thing I think would be probably far and away outside of just having letting the stick do the work with this age group is rushing mm-hmm. tempo wise because I work with drumline and dude, these kids start playing 16th notes and you know, they start off at like one tempo and they, the energy just gets so high that within <laughs> half of a bar, it goes off someplace else. Yeah. So we, we also talk about how to, how to play your parts, but to how to make it groove. You know, mm-hmm. how to make it sit and still have a pocket and not move it forward. So when I give a presentation, it's usually three or four things that I say, hey, this is what we're going to be touching upon. And, you know, hopefully it entices them enough that they want to sign up. And then mm-hmm. when they come in, um, you know, we just have different things we're doing in here all the time. I have rhythmic games that I've created that we do that they they really like a lot. We'll usually do some games at the end of the class. And so it's not just all, you know, reading and strict hardcore stuff. Right. So I incorporate games and um, we do like we'll pull some stuff from some different books and we'll do like duets. So like some of them will take the top line, mm-hmm. some other ones will take the bottom line. And so it's fun. You know, there's, right. there's, I always keep it moving and interesting. So it's not just like, okay, we're going to go in here today and play uh eight on a hand, you know, again, one more time. Yeah. So. <laughs> that makes sense. So what, so those, that's group lessons. What about getting individual lessons? Do you have sort of a strategy or a technique or things that have worked for you in the past? In the past? I mean, when I first wasn't with Breaking Benjamin anymore, um, I had taught before Breaking Benjamin, mm-hmm. but when I, when I was no longer with the band, the first thing that I did was just reached out to one guy who is a pretty prominent drum instructor in the area and just did, as I think most of us would do. I reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I don't know if you heard, but I'm back up teaching again. So if there's anybody that you have that you can't take on, if you don't mind, pass them on to me. Mm-hmm. Reached out to music stores, you know, the whole nine yards. And now it's just kind of gotten to the point of where people are just coming because it, they, they, you know, there's a reputation. They right, know you're I sort do. of like the resident instructor in the area kind of thing. Yeah, and then there's two days a week where I teach at a, at a music and art school in a town about an hour from here. So Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I do a commute down there and I teach from like usually about noon or one until nine. I mm-hmm. just, I go down there and I have a bunch of lessons. I just bang out one day and those lessons I get through that particular place. So people will call asking for drum lessons and there's two of us down there and then they'll, they'll pass them to one of the two of us. I got you. And, yeah. um, do you, and you don't do anything online, right? I do Skype. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do Skype. Skype I do Skype and FaceTime. Yeah. Okay. I mean, my, I'd still say though that the the good portion of my online stuff is is very small compared to the one on one stuff. And right. it, I'd say just it's mainly because um, I, I like to be with a with a human. Mm-hmm. You know, I I still like to have a a connection with with the human being, and not that you can't have that otherwise. But there's just Something about when you're in the room with the person, I think, is just more more intimate. So yeah, yeah. I I welcome all uh, Skype and FaceTime people for sure. Mm-hmm. But I if I have my choice, I still prefer prefer that. Yeah, you know? that makes sense. the The interesting thing, or the the point that I really got out of that is that you 
you initiated contact with all of these people. I think a lot of people sit around and they say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know. And you and I are the same way we, we have initiative and the listeners, you know, my listeners are the same way that, that, that sounds like a douchey thing to say, my listeners, but the, the audience who listens well, they to the podcast, though, they're, yeah. they're not whatever they're, they listen, they're your listener and, and every other guest. They're not, they're not here to listen to me ramble, but, but the idea of going out and making things happen. So for me, anytime I see someone that I think is even relatively remotely close to someone that I should connect with, I like, I'm like, Oh, I'll just shoot him an email. You know, I'm just like, Hey man, this is Nick. I run a podcast, you know, it'd be great to have you or just wanted to reach out and say what's up or, or whatever it is. And we're just like you did start asking people, start asking questions, go to these instructors. Hey, if you've, if you've any, you know, any overflow that you can handle, if there's anything I can do for you, if there's, you know, if you're ever, if, if you ever need help with anything, I'm here, I, I'm trying to get my foot in the door. I'm trying to grow my, my teaching practice. I'm trying to get more students. What can I do? And I think most people just, you know, they'll go to one store or two stores and they say, no, we're not hiring anybody. And they say, okay. And then it's like, oh yeah, I tried to get students. And they're like, well, you didn't really try, you know, you tried for an hour. <laughs> yeah. And that's always been my, my, my sort of mentality as well. So, I mean, there's been people who have come up to me before that have said that maybe read some articles I did for Modern Drummer and they said, mm-hmm. man, that's really, that's really cool. Like, you know, how'd you get to write for Modern Drummer? And uh, just two words. And I say, I asked, Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, but dude, literally there was like, again, you start off with that mentality where you're thinking like, man, I don't know, like they have some really good people that write for that magazine. It's got such, such high esteem and everything. But you know, years ago, um, I just remember it being like a cold winter day. And one, one day I thought, you know, well, what, what's it hurt for me to just send an email, you know? So I literally sent an email to Bill Miller, who is, you know, since passed, but I sent an email to Bill Miller and I just said, Hey, here's who I am a little bit about myself. I really think that I could have something to offer. And would you be interested in just seeing what, what I have to, mm-hmm. to write? Sure. You know, write something up and send it to me. And to this day, there really hasn't been much that I've submitted that they were like, nah, you know, let's just not, let's not do this. Right. You know? So it's very, very cool. And, and, and again, it just comes back to the worst somebody can do is say no. Exactly. That's it. But I had, at least you know that. Yeah. I had, uh, yeah, at least you know that you tried and, and you went out to do it. There's, I had Steve Rennie on the podcast. Uh, Steve was the, he used to be the vice president of Epic records and he found, incubus and manage them for like 15 years so now he has a music business school and but he has a motto and he's like and he he's kind of like he's he always yells it you know but he's like you don't ask you don't get and that's his thing it's like if you don't ask you're not gonna get it <laughs> yeah yeah and like another thing i like to use too is um you familiar with jack canfield yeah yeah of course Okay, I love Jack Canfield. One of my favorite books is Jack Canfield's The Success Principles. Mm-hmm. It's one that I go back to time and time again. Um, in fact, I even attended like one of his seminar type things too. But um, you know, one of his things is um, if you say no, I say next. Yeah. It just means like you know if so with Modern Drummer, if I if I really want to write something, for example, if I reach out to them and they say no. Well, then maybe in this climate of today, then if Modern Drummer isn't really interested, maybe I could reach out to Drumhead and ask mm-hmm. them, you know, mm-hmm. next. If they don't like it, maybe I could go to Drum, whatever. And so that's also, I kind of have to put that that hat on, so to speak, or that mentality when I go in and present to schools because, 
you know, there's so much competition these days with sports. And I mean, dude, in 2018, the amount of youth that are participating in, you know, quote unquote, travel teams with whether it's soccer, basketball, I mean, it's crazy how much time and money families are putting into this stuff. There's a lot of competition. So if I do go in and people are not really that receptive, I can't leave there and be like, man, I, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. I just have to say, okay, right. you said no. I just say next, give me the next group, you yep. know, because we just, we just have to keep moving. Yep. Totally. I, I agree a hundred percent, man. That's, that's the mentality you have to have because at the end of the day, you know, whether you want to slap this sticker on it and people get all weirded out about it, but you're, you're, it's sales. You know, you're selling your services, you're selling yourself as a, as an instructor, you're selling yourself as an artist, you know, whatever it is. I'm selling myself as an interviewer when I, when I email people to ask them if they'll come on the podcast and it's, it's sales and, and not everyone is going to say yes. And the interesting thing that I've always found is that most people say yes, which is crazy. You know, like I, I just, there's so many things where people are like, well, how'd you get that? And same deal. I'm like, I just asked. They said, yes, (laughs) that's it. Totally, yeah, yeah. I'm like, shit, I wish it knew it was this easy. <laughs> right, yep. I've been checking out the new Sonar SQ-1 kits, and they are sick. You know who else thinks they're sick? Chris Coleman. I'll let him take it from here. When I hear something inside of me, I have to get it out. I have to get the sound that's within me out. Whatever I'm feeling in the moment, I go for it. And I may create something fresh and new for me. Something I may change about it, something I may not. I'm just going with the flow. Sonar's done it. SQ1, my Sonar drummer. Check them out. You'll dig them. You may sit at the back of the stage, but the band revolves around you. Why? Because you set the tempo, the intensity, and most importantly, the tone. And the easiest way to set the tone is to play Evans Drumheads with Level 360 technology. Thanks to Level 360 technology, Evans Drumheads fit perfectly across the shell and allow for increased tension to help you find your sweet spot. Plus, they take you way beyond the normal tuning range for higher highs and lower lows. So now the sound you want will always be the sound you get. You can check out Evans Drumheads and learn more about Level 360 technology by going to evansdrumheads.com. Now let's get back into it with my man, Jeremy Hummel. I want to switch gears to the the other side of the stuff that you do is being a band leader. And every single person who I talk to that says, I can't get gigs, I can't get gigs, I can't get gigs. My first piece of advice is start your own band, book your own shows control your own revenue. That's it. So what are, let's talk about one, how, how you, did you start this band and, and build it from the ground up or did you move into the band leader position? No, I started the band in 2009. And, um, you know, for those who are listening, the band that I have together now is called into the spin, three words into the spin. And it's, it's, it's a high energy dance band. Okay. Mm -hmm. And very, very different musically from like my heavier rock, Breaking Benjamin days. Um, the idea behind the band was that at that time in our society, we had just kind of gone through, um, 
you know, really a lot of hardships, you know, economically and, and people, you know, lost a lot of money. And there was really a kind of a downtime in society. And my idea was I want to form a band that when people are going to go out and pay their hard-earned money, I want to leave them feeling better when they when they go home than they did when they got there. You right, know, and right. and Nick, I, Nick, I just found so much that with so, a lot of like the the heavier music that if I would go out and hear it, you know, I would leave feeling worse than I, when I got there. It's like <laughs> you know, just with a lot of like the lyrical connotation stuff like that. Like I'm all about expressing yourself. And, and getting what you have inside out. But at the same time, like, you know, just having that feeling of, you know, negative energy wasn't working for me anymore. Right, you know? right. So so I put this band together and I just really wanted to form a, a high class band. And the idea, it's, it's an all cover band, by the mm-hmm. way. So we don't do any originals. The idea is we do every song we play, we try to do exactly as close as possible to the original it's not a tribute situation it's just that if you if you like these songs that we play which is everything from motown through current stuff we're going to give you this song with as little tracks as possible as well with like Mm -hmm. all eight people contributing as close as we can so you know and the idea too was hardly any bars we 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 never set out to play in bars we were like we're eight piece band we want to make good money we want to play in higher echelon venues so the idea was always to be weddings corporates private parties that type mm-hmm. of, that type of thing and that's what we do so, so how did you build the band like how did you tactically go out and get all these band members uh, tactically so the first guy that i got was the bass player because he and i had known each other before and i mm-hmm. knew that he and i were just a great rhythm section other than that um, I put stuff out at the time, Craigslist. I put mm-hmm. some out, some ads out on there, and we just got some auditions going. Brought some people in. There were a couple. We have a female lead singer. Um, I had a couple people in here that just didn't, you know, they weren't what we were looking for. And so through auditions and everything, and then one or two people came because, uh, like, we hired our trombone player, and he was like, "Hey, the guy that was that I roomed with in college is a great singer and keyboard player. Can he come in and try?" I'm sure. He came in and I remember it was funny because he came in and like the gig or the audition went so well, none of us said anything. And then he came back again for the next rehearsal at the end of the rehearsal. He goes, so, um, do we have the gig or, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh yeah, man. Yeah. It's like, you're in, you're cool. So, but you know, it just, it just fits so well. So yeah, I mean, I put the, the band together from, from ground up and since that time, it's just been, you know, working on the brand and doing certain things to, to promote the band. Like, um, things that we hand out as business um, materials, for example, like mm-hmm. promotional items. My thing has always been if I'm going to hand stuff out, I want to give people things that they can use, mm-hmm. actually use. So um, we have um, business card magnets. So mm-hmm. we would hand those out because everybody can use a magnet on the right. refrigerator. Right, on the you know? refrigerator. Yep. Little, little things like that, you know. So we've just been building it that way. And, um, you know, now we, we promote a little bit more online and we're on a website called The Knot which mm-hmm. is oh, yeah, yeah, of course. people might know about. So yeah, I mean, we, we built that pretty much from the ground up and every year as a business, it's nice to see because every year, you know, it, I'm the one that's responsible for the bookkeeping and paying everybody. And so right. we can see, so we do can you, see every year it goes more. How, so do you own the band or are there multiple people who own the band? I own the corporation. It's, okay. it's a corporation. It's an LLC. And I own that. So, but the one thing that I do as a band leader is everybody has like input into what we're doing. You know, mm-hmm. ultimately, 
I have I have you know what we would call like the final say, right. and I make I'm the set lists and everything. But the other people in the band, I want them to feel invested into what we're doing because they they're a part of the whole thing. Right. So, so and, question about <clears throat> so I did this. You know, I I know sort of what it's like. Not sort of. I know what it's like to build a band from ground up, go out, start getting gigs, build like we build it into you know a, a touring outfit and all that kind of stuff. For you, what was what was step one? You got like after you got the band, you learned the tunes, you're well rehearsed. Okay, uh, well now we need gigs. So mm-hmm. what was sort of step one for you? And uh, I apologize for getting so granular, but I I really want to get some tactical stuff that people can go out and start working on today. Mm-hmm. So one of the first places that I targeted was casinos mm-hmm. because. You know, I knew that we weren't just going to be able to go out and get weddings, so I wanted to do some casinos because I figured if we got into some casinos, people could see us, mm-hmm. right? So, um, first thing I do, I, you know, these days so many of them are represented by an agency, right? So you can't you can't just call the casino and be like, "Hey, I'm Jeremy Hummel, can you hire our band?" So I would find out who the who to contact to try to get into that casino, and if I couldn't find the agency, if it was a guy in another band, for example. So I had I had one guy who wasn't a friend, but he was an acquaintance, saw his band was playing in a casino. I reached out to him on Facebook. Hey, how are you guys playing there? You know, mm-hmm. could you give me a can you give me a name, give me a phone number that I can reach out to. So, you know, just doing that legwork and finding the trail of I'm gonna start here I'm going to start with this person. If this person can help me, awesome. If they can't, can they tell me who can? Right. And then I'm just moving through it from round zero, you know, just, mm-hmm. just working your way up. And that's really like we've been talking about. That's what it's all about is just, you know, not being afraid of hearing no, mm-hmm. but also finding out how do I get to that point, you know, right. and not stopping along the way. And you, I said that a lot of people say yes, but a lot of people say no too. And you have to get ready for that. You know, people are mm-hmm. going to, you know. I don't know if I've ever been laughed out of a room, but people are going to be like, no, you're out of your mind. No, absolutely not. You know, whatever. So the, the idea of just thinking, okay, well you didn't say yes. I'll just, I'll just move on. Like you said, you say, or what'd you say? You say, no, I say next. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just move on, move on to the next one. So how do you, how do you structure your day? Granted you do this full time. So not everyone who's listening does this as a full time job, but the misconception is that if you are a professional drummer or you are a professional teacher or even me with running a podcast, that it's just like sitting around and playing drums all day and then you just go to your gig. But I would say 60 to 70% of it is business and the other 30 is the actual playing, maybe even less, 20% of it is the actual playing and and you know practicing and, and all that kind of stuff. So what are some of the things – that you do to structure your day to make sure that you're taking care of business? The first thing, and you and I had this, we talked about this in a phone conversation one day, but <clears throat> I commented to you that I had always, you know, I, I'm really into inspirational stuff, motivational stuff. And I'd always seen Jim Rohn's quote where he had said, you know, success, to paraphrase, success is nothing more than a few simple disciplines that practiced every day. Mm-hmm. And I always, like, conceptually, you know what that means, but it hasn't been until just within the last year or two especially where I've really had to break that down to say, okay, what is what am I putting my time into that I don't necessarily need to put my time into and where do I need to focus energy? So mm-hmm. my day usually um, for the last couple months, it's been looking like this. Once I am a dad of two kids, father of two kids, so get up in the morning, drop my two kids off at school. 
if I'm able to, which is most days, I come home and practice. It's mm-hmm. the first thing I do. So I spend about the first hour of my day practicing, maybe incorporating a little bit of lesson planning for my lessons later that day. Um, I have a couple students who are pretty advanced adult guys that I teach. And I know if I don't have my shit together for the, for their lesson, you know, <laughs> it's going to show. So it's not like I can just go up and say, oh, let's open up to page 14. And I just right. sit back and, okay, let's hear Drink you play. Your coffee. You know? yeah. yeah, exactly. So first hour is practice slash lesson plan. Then I usually try to spend an hour on the band business every day from that point. So I do, um, if it's contracts, if it's phone calls I have to make, um, there's also all of, like I said, the bookkeeping, making sure the band is paid from the previous weekend's gigs. So there's about an hour of band business. And then from there, I usually like to get to the gym, you know, so I'm trying to get a little bit of a workout in. Mm-hmm. And then from then lunch, then after lunch is usually, you know, just, just teaching mostly every day um, and or, you know, going to a gig or something like that. Right. So my day is literally boom to boom, you know, mm-hmm. from the time I wake up until you know, try to get to bed if I can before midnight most nights. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, mo- but the latter half of my day is always book solid. So, um, so there's a lot of that stuff I have to get done in the morning. Sure. And it wasn't always like for anybody who's out there listening this, and you would attest to this, I think as well, this stuff is all a work in progress. Like you, you learn how you're the most productive. You learn what is best for you and, and how to do those things. Mm-hmm. Because, I literally had to incorporate that hour of, of band time every morning because what would happen is I'd get a bunch of gigs locked in, but two or three weeks would go by. I wouldn't have the contracts done, you know, right, and I'm right. going, I started saying, dude, you have these gigs. Like, why are you relaxing on this? Like, so I started incorporating that and the practicing thing as we get older, all of us, I think most of us, like if we're not careful, we let that slip away because it's yeah. like, no, I got to do this other thing first. But for me, what happened, dude, is my 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 tactic used to be before, do all the things you you quote unquote have to do. So if that included, you know, I'm I'm a dad and I'm a married guy too, so some housework, whatever. Get everything you have to do done first, then you can practice. So that was the reward. Right. It didn't work for me because what would happen is if I did all those things. Something went too long. Yeah, you never got to practice. Daddy didn't get to reward time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So it didn't happen. So I started saying, my day is so much better and my day makes me feel so much more fulfilled if I get that time in. So I'm gonna put it first things first. That that way if something gets not done that day, I don't feel like crap because I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. Right. And it's also part of your job. So it's not like right. it's not like you're Spent taking the first hour of your morning to shoot hoops, right? Because you're like, man, I, I really it, love. I put my hoop outside, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. It, yeah. Like that doesn't really have anything to do with your job. So, or like sat down and played video games because you liked it. Just because you like practicing doesn't mean that it's not an integral part of your career and your job that you have to do every single day. So I agree with that. Uh, one of the questions would be how. How did you figure out what was important, what wasn't important, how, you know, where you should be focusing your energy, where you shouldn't be focusing your energy? Uh, That's the question I have for you. But I also want to piggyback on the one thing that you said was that this is all work in progress and it wasn't always like this. You know, years ago, I wasn't waking up and having, you know, 
a hundred emails to respond to and having all this, all this stuff happening and, and, you know, juggling all these things, you know, I was nowhere near as busy as I am now, but I worked up to getting that busy before it was like, what can I do today? Like what, I don't have anything going on, you know? <laughs> right. So it's like, how can I, how can I make more contacts? How can I get, you know, get more wheels in motion? How can I do more things? And now it's now everything is sort of humming along, but you gotta, it's like a plane. You gotta go, you know, you gotta go down the runway and you gotta take off first. And the first 20 minutes of a flight is really where the, the hard work is on the plane. It's gotta get, once it gets to cruising altitude, then you're good. And I'm sort of like, right. that's how starting a business or, you know, starting your career or, or building a band or whatever it is. I think that you have to go through that, that process, but touching on the stuff that you were talking about, about focus, like, how did you, how did you figure that out? Well, you know, I do have a tendency to be um, a little bit hard on myself when things don't get done the way that I want them to get done. And and, right. and part of the reason why I think that, you know, some of us are have been able to, to find success in what we do is because, you know, we do want things to be so good. Mm-hmm. And so with me, you know, like I said, the contract thing, if, if something was getting away from, I, I, I guess I can start to tell what which of those two areas, like I think of those two areas as being, we have the teaching business, we have the band business. I can start to see when one of those starts to slip away mm-hmm. and, or not slip away, but just, you know, if I'm getting behind, let's re- let's phrase it like that. So I just, with the contracts with the band, I said, dude, okay, instead of waiting and doing five, six contracts every week and a half, just set aside some time every day. You know what I mean? That way yep. you're, you're, you're chipping away instead of doing it all at once because that's how I've kind of always worked is not procrastination, just, um, well, I'm going to, once I'm, once I'm here, I'm just going to bang all this out. And I just found it's easier to chip away yeah. like that. Yeah. I started and, doing my taxes every Friday. Just awesome. Go yeah. through the week and just, you know, see what's in, what's coming in, what's coming out, all that stuff, put it into QuickBooks and be done with it versus at the end of the month, every six weeks. And I'm like, man, I have, you know, 150 transactions I need to go through and enter exactly. them in and go back and check to see what they were because I can't remember it. And and now it's like, it takes me five minutes before I close my laptop every Friday to just do, 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 do and I'm done. And at <laughs> and the end of the year, you're like, like, I'm done. Yeah, right. And you say to yourself like, why was I not doing this, you know, all this time? Yeah, um, yeah because, and, and I think this is good stuff because, Again, we get into some of those like perfectionism or comparison things, and all of the listeners need to know that people on all levels of everything are always finding better ways to do things. Mm-hmm. And I had told you that when I downloaded, you talked about taxes. When I downloaded my my new uh, software program for my for my taxes last, I, dude, I I downloaded in April of last year at the end of last tax season. I didn't learn how to use it until like January of this year. And, and, and I say that with complete openness because it's like, but then when I did, you're going, this made everything so much easier. Yeah, so why didn't I do just, this a long time ago? Yeah. So if you could, if, if again, I come back to that Jim Rohn quote, you know, it's a few practices that you do every day. Um, I'm getting off subject now. I was going to say, what were you talking about? The, what was the other question you had? Uh, I don't know if I had another, another question. I was, well, uh, well I was trying to figure out how, how you oh. zeroed in on, on what, what exactly you felt was important and what is not important. Cause there's so many, there's a quote 
you and I are just throwing out the quotes today, but there, there's a quote and I, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I forget exactly what the quote is, but it says that nothing is a bigger waste of time than being efficient at something that doesn't need to be done at all. Love it. Love and, it. and we do that. Like how many times have you been on your laptop and you're like organizing your icons on your laptop and like throwing things out and putting them in the trash and you're like, no, I'm doing stuff. You're like, you're not doing shit. And there's so many things that, that I think that we think need to be done and we realize they're not moving the needle. They're not really necessary. They're not enjoyable. They're just, we're just doing them. And, and I have been, I've, you know, I'm constantly trying to make sure that I'm optimizing exactly what I'm doing. Cause I'm a, I'm a natural procrastinator. Like I, I have been my entire life. I'm okay with that. I'm open and honest about it. <laughs> um, right. And I, and my dad, like he would always be, his whole thing is like, don't put off to today or till tomorrow what you can get done today. He's always just like, get it done. Get it. Just, st- just get it done. Get it off your plate and get it done. And so for me, I have to have systems in place. I have to have checkpoints. I have to have you know, lists, I like, I have to set my, uh, these deadlines because if not, it'll just fall. Like I'm, I'm a procrastinator period. And I will find every other thing to do before doing the thing that actually needs to be done. And I know that about myself. So I have to like, I have to protect myself. You know, I got to yeah. make it like idiot proof. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's awesome that you realize that. So you have those things implemented to, to do that. And I, I guess I'll just also say too, that I was talking about the the business of the band and then the business of the teaching and, and knowing one of those is kind of, you know, falling behind a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the key components to my life is my family. So, you know, my wife, my two kids, like I've been involved with my, both of my kids every single day since they were both born, which, which I feel really fortunate to have that opportunity. And so the three biggest things in my life are making sure there's balance between my, the band running the band Mm -hmm making sure we're on top of our game, the teaching business, and then with the family. So, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I know things are really pumping in terms of being busy, you know, I still set aside one or two evenings every week where, you know, I'm not doing anything. It's like I'm right. with my family. With my family. We're, we're together. You know, I'm not working on something else. And for those of us who are, you know, driven or, you know, entrepreneurs or whatever you want to call it, that can be challenging because like there's always that stuff up there like, oh yeah, I have this coming up next Monday, you know what I mean? But you just have to be able to have that switch to just, you know, turn it off when you mm-hmm. need to. Mm-hmm. So there yeah. the I think you're you're saying the same thing that I always say, but I, I don't I don't necessarily believe in balance. I believe in integration. And because I don't think that I like I'm if I'm working on business, I'm all in on business. If I'm with my with my wife, I'm all in with my wife right? I don't have kids. But uh, a lot of people are like, well, I'm home every night. And it's like, yeah, well, you're home every night watching TV while your wife's upstairs watching TV or, or, you know, your kids are upstairs playing their video games and you're like, yeah, you're home, but you're not, you're not, you're not doing anything with your, with your kids. You're not engaged. You're not engaged at all. So for me, it's when I'm working, I'm working. And when I'm with my wife, I'm not working. And, and even to the point where, you know, if we're out and I'll say, do you mind if I grab my phone? and check something real quick or like do you mind like and not not asking permission but sort of saying hey this is we're i'm present with you right now you are the most important thing that's going Mm -hmm. on and we go out to dinner we bring one phone just for emergencies my my wife keeps it in her purse 
you know, that's like good. we don't yeah. have no yeah. phone, like no phones at, at dinner at all. Uh, and, and once in a while, like some things come up when we're out to dinner and I say, Hey, do you mind if I, do you mind if I send this quick text real quick? And she's that's like, cool. no, I like that. No, go ahead. You know, like I, I don't mind. Cause if it were up to me, I'd work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, um, but so I think that integrating those things into your life and saying, you know, having sort of definitive lines of where work is, where family time is, where, you know, personal time is, all that stuff versus, you know, like being at the gym, I don't check any work email or anything at the gym, you know, because I'm not working and working. I'm just, it's me. I'm just separated <laughs> for, and I'm at the gym. You know what I mean? When I'm at the, not to cut you off, but just since you said that, I can't tell you when I'm at the gym and I see people on their phones, like all the time I'm going, why are you, what are you here for? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yep. like, it, like do your workout, then go do whatever you have to do. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, not to be judgy, but I just get to the point of where it's like, I'll see, I'll see a guy do 10 reps of something and then he'll literally stop and walk around the gym for the next 15 minutes on his phone, then come back and do yep. more. It's like, dude, do you know how much time you're wasting? And like, <laughs> yeah, this oh, really, this me. really technically isn't a workout either. This yeah, is just, yeah, yeah. You know, so. yeah. I coincidentally, not to go too deep into the subject, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring it around. So it'll be good. Okay. Uh, so at my gym, most of the areas in my gym, I don't have service. And mm. which is frustrating every once in a while. Like, you know, I'll get out of the gym and my wife will be like, I was trying to call you, you know, I needed something and I didn't hear. So, but I found out the other day, oh, there's Wi-Fi. I was like, cool. So I logged in, signed up for the Wi-Fi, and just and that was maybe three or four days ago. And just today I realized I was at the gym this morning on my phone, sending an email, and I was like, you know what? F this. I swiped up, turned the Wi-Fi off, and I was like, when I come in here, I'm just gonna keep the Wi-Fi off and I can't I have no service or anything. And the way that I'm connecting all of this is I think that people should do the same thing in the practice room because I think people go into the practice room, they play for five minutes, then they take a picture of their drums then they get on Instagram and then they practice for three minutes again. Then they text their friend then they check their email. Then they check Instagram. And I think you should just put your phone on do not disturb or even on airplane mode and just practice and not, not be distract, be all in on that thing that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, that was a rant. I apologize. No, no, I, I, hey, I'm with you, man. I'm with, <laughs> seriously, I am. And and what the the one thing that can be challenging about that is because now we all have so many of those, like whether it's metronome apps or whatever we might have that are like on our devices and stuff. That's like the excuse that. I hear all the time. Well, my metronome's on my app on my phone. I'm like, well, turn it on airplane mode. Exactly. You have, but you, and I think the biggest thing is is just just to be aware. The the one of the best ways to get forward and be try to be more productive is is to figure out where those areas are that you could just be better and and not beat yourself up over it just to just to gently say hey you know this is really not working for me so i'm just going to try to you know implement a new plan with this and there might be some times when you know yes i might still find myself being tempted to do this or that or whatever but you just you know be kind to yourself and say hey i'm learning this is a learning process but right. You know, just trying to figure out where those things are that you can get better. And I think that's how we all get better every day is just learn, learning what you can do. And and but having the same type of, you know, respect for yourself to not kill yourself if you do something sure. incorrectly or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, evaluate what's going on, 
see where you see where maybe you can take make some changes, test some things, try some new things. Even you know, even for me, when I get up in the morning, I have a I have a strict rule, and I'm saying strict in air quotes because I don't check my email for the first hour and a half. When I I don't check my phone at all, nothing. The only thing I do. I, the only thing I use my phone for is I meditate at the end of that hour and a half, and then I'll check my email and all that stuff. And <laughs> that's a good way to get yourself right out of a Zen state. Um, but, but so, you know, I have this rule where no email, no Instagram, no nothing for an hour and a half when I get up. Yesterday, I was like 45 minutes into the day, and I get on my phone, and ch- I check my Instagram, you know, I'm on, and I caught myself after about seven minutes and I was like, whoa, seven minutes. <laughs> I mean, it's a long time, but you know. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, shit. OK, wait, I, I can't be doing this. OK, I you're like, OK, log on, like get out, get set your phone down. And yeah, I'm not going to beat myself up over because this morning I wake up and I'm like, OK, no email. It's like right back on the horse instead of being like, oh, my God, I, I ruined it. I ruined everything. And it's like set these parameters or, or figure out, like you said, just small incremental changes because I think we try to kill ourselves and try to take on 87 new things at the same time. Just tweak little things and see how they're working and see if, you know, see if you can get up 15 minutes earlier, see if you can spend, you know, an extra 15 minutes of dedicated practice a week, you know, just all these little things that turn into these bigger things down the road. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, do you, are you a coffee drinker? I am. Okay. So I just, I'm just curious. So you talked about your morning meditation. So do you drink your coffee and then meditate or do you have your meditation and then do coffee? Uh, I have coffee the minute I wake or as soon as I wake up. I shouldn't say okay. that. I, I get up in the morning. I'm sure that everyone wants to hear about my morning routine, but, um, but I do. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah, Cause I think, okay. cause I think morning, I think one of the biggest things that has really changed my life is having a morning routine. I did a podcast about it. I wrote an article about it and I've, I've tweaked it. It used to be pretty long and it became too much. I had like this hour and a half morning routine and I was like, it's, it's, it's too much. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to do it. So I've really condensed it. So, um, I wake up now, now I'm getting up at five 45 every morning. I'm trying to move it to, I think next week I'm going to start at five 30, but I get up at 5.45, take a shower. At the end of my shower, the last 15 seconds of the shower, I turn the water to freezing cold, as cold, mm. as, it, as, cold as it can go. And it's it do, it's hard in the beginning, but it, it like releases all these endorphins and all that stuff. Not only does it wake you up, but it releases all these endorphins so much to the fact that sometimes I'll just start cracking up laughing in the wow. shower for no, like just literally like uncontrollably laughing. Uh, so I'll do that for like 15, 20 seconds. And then I get out, go downstairs, drink, drink a 16 ounce glass of water, grab myself a coffee, go over, sit down at my at my kitchen table and work on my most important thing of the day for an hour. Okay. And then right after that, I go and I'll meditate for 15 minutes. Uh, I'll do about five minutes of some sort of gratitude of things that I'm grateful for in my life. And it doesn't have to be anything big. It could be literally like that bird chirping outside, my cat laying next to me and like, you know, the good dinner I had last night or whatever. It doesn't have to be like this monumental thing. Um, I do like five minutes of visualizing of sort of where I want my day to go and the direction where I want my, my life to go and sort of what my goals are. Um, and then I have a, a document that I read through. I have a very short document that I read through with just my goals in general. It takes me literally like 45 seconds to to go through it. Uh, by that time, my wife's usually up. I give her a kiss, put my sneakers on, get in the car, and drive to the gym. 
So that's gotcha. my, that's my, and I have to do that. I have to go to the gym in the morning because that was one of the big things that I wanted to put into my routine because I would always say, oh, I'll go later. I'll go later today. I don't feel like going right now. I'll go later and later never came. You know, tomorrow is always the busiest day of the week. So, uh, so it, it, you know, not that it would, it didn't happen, but 90% of the time, if I didn't go in the morning, I found out that I didn't go in the afternoon. So I was like, new rule, go to the gym every morning. That's awesome. And and sometimes, you know, what we have to do is we have to say, okay, because you talked about for you, it's the gym. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like the practice time. So like right. we, we have to be able to like for, for us individually, we have to be able to say, what, what is the thing that I feel that I have to do? And maybe what would be the thing that I could be okay with if I don't get done? You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how, that's how we feel the best, you know what I mean? As opposed to like for you, you said you really wanted to go to the gym or you didn't want to go, but like, no, I hate, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, just so we're clear. I think I've talked about this before. I've definitely talked about it like on Instagram. I hate going to the gym. Absolutely hate it. And I go all the time. I go four days a week. I have been for years and I hate it 90% of, 98% of the time I hate going. Do you hate the, like, yes. is it, you do okay. <laughs> no, do, no. So, do I hate what? Do you hate the 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 physical aspect of it, or do you hate no. just the the idea of going someplace that you don't really want to have to be at? No, you know what it is. I hate going to the gym. Like okay. the hardest part about going to the gym is going to the gym. Okay. So would like, you what, would you do it better if it was at home? No, no, no. Think? I mean, I mean, I hate. I, my biggest hurdle is the the anticipation and not wanting to go that's once I'm there, I'm fine. Like I get in there and like, I'll do my stretches. I get warmed up. I got my music plan. I start pump, you know, I start pumping a couple of reps and I feel great. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm so, and then the, on, when I'm walking out the door, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm glad I went. So right. my biggest thing is like literally putting all my sneakers, getting in the car and driving to the gym. That's the hurdle for me. Once I do that, I'm fine. Okay. Well, that that's pretty short period of time, right? It is, that but you- that's the hardest part. Okay. You know, I remember Michael Carvin, I had him on the podcast and he was talking about people working out and he said that his friend wants to lose 20 pounds and he's like, I just can't, you know, I can't make it to the gym. He's like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in your car, drive to the gym, get out of the car, get walk up to the handle, touch the handle of the door, walk back, get in your car and drive home. And the guy's like, well, if I'm going to do that, I might as well go to the gym. And he's like, well, then go to the gym. He's like, right, but that's right. not the goal. The goal is to just, so my wife and I always have this, this saying where we're always like, touch the handle. So it's like, mm. where I got it from Michael Carvin, but it, we always talk about it, like how to get started or how to do something. It's like, how do you get started? You get started by starting. So for us, it's always like, just touch the handle. That's it. Like, I like that. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be this big monumental thing. And like, obviously touch the handle is just, you know, uh, an analogy, but you know, whatever it is, I'll, I'm. I'm trying to, uh, you know, I'm starting this other business and everything. My wife's like, just, just touch the handle, you know, just like send an email, right? Make right. one phone call. Yep. You know, like just get, say we were talking get earlier, one like, student. Yep. Put put the ball in play and, and exactly. That's, that's all. Yeah, that's awesome. Touch exactly. the handle. I like that. Yeah. Might have to use that. So. Uh, do you, I, it's all all credit goes to Michael Carvin. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I got gotcha. it. I got it from Michael Carvin. So, um, but dude, this has been great, man. I think that that. There's definitely a bunch of tactical stuff and I love how you have a different, a different way of approaching things and, and going out there and saying, okay, this is sort of what everyone else is doing. And you're sort of like, do you know, purple cow, that book, 
there's a book um, by Seth Godin called Purple Cow where it's like, okay, brown cows and, and black cows and white cows and all that, they all look the same, but a purple cow looks completely different. And it's a okay. mark it's a marketing book, but I feel like you do that sort of thing. You say, okay, how's sort of how what what's everybody else doing? Let me see how I can do this a little bit differently or or how can I figure this out that works for me and I can I can grow these businesses and be you know, and be successful at doing it. So I, I applaud you for doing that. And I like the fact that you think outside the box and all of these ideas I know are great for the audience as well, because a lot of them are trying to do all of the stuff that we just talked about. They're trying to increase their teaching practice. They're trying to get more gigs. They're trying to start a band. They're trying to get gigs. You know, they're trying to maybe change some habits about them, about their, their daily life or, you know, better their practice routine and all that stuff. So dude, Thank you. I, I appreciate it, man. It was, it was very insightful. Totally, man. And, and you know, as cheesy as it sounds, I come back to that thing of where, you know, they say that the, that the, uh, the last six letters of satisfaction is action, you know? I love so, that. I've ne- yeah. How have I never heard that? I, I, I would have thought that you would have because I know you're up to all that stuff. Man. I am. So, yeah, I am. Last six letters of satisfaction. So you want satisfaction? Action. All right. I like it. All right. I'll leave, I'll leave you with one, too. Okay. Because I think everyone gets caught up in sort of the motivational side of thing. And it's like uh, too much learning and not enough doing makes you an overeducated underachiever. Love it. I'm <laughs> writing that down right now. man. <laughs> cool. Jeremy, thanks again, brother. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to chat. And I know the audience does as well, man. So thank you. Yeah, man. I'm glad we could do it again. Likewise. Take care. You Take too. Care. There you have it, my man, Jeremy Hummel. I hope that you got a ton of information out of that. And again, some great tactical stuff that you can do day in and day out to help improve your business, get more students, think outside the box of how you can go into schools and do the group thing. There's a lot of stuff that he shares in there. So I hope that you really took some notes and you'll start applying some of this into what you're doing. You can find the show notes at drummersresource.com forward slash session 393. Also, if you haven't already signed up for the mailing list, I send a mailing list out every Monday and every Friday. Monday is Nick's Monday Mix. So that is just a bunch of stuff that I'm listening to. It has the latest podcast release in there, some stuff that I think that you would enjoy, some book ideas or some books that I'm reading that you can check out, documentaries, new music, apps, and all that stuff that I think that you'll enjoy. It's in Nick's Monday Mix. You can check that out. Just go to drummersresource.com forward slash mix, M-I-X. That'll automatically add you to the mailing list, and then you'll get an email on Friday as well. It's That's a Wrap. That is just all of the podcasts that are released that week, so you have them in one convenient email. Check it out, drummersresource.com forward slash mix. That's M-I-X. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.